From the Multiply family of churches, we are Behind Open Doors, a podcast to take you behind the scenes, discovering what it takes to multiply disciples, leaders, and new churches. We are located in the U.S., the Hampton Roads region of Virginia. Visit us at multiplythechurch.com. My name is Aaron Denini, Executive Director of the Multiply Family of Churches, and I'm here with our Director of Missions, John Slinker, and we are going to bring you a great guest today. Mm-hmm. Before we do, though, okay, we're about to hear a lot about personal development. We're about to hear a lot about mentoring, coaching, um, being developed and developing others today. So you do have this paradigm where uh, you take the, the terms counselor, mentor, coach. A lot of times those get lumped together, right? Um, how do you parse those out? What's your paradigm? What does that look like? Uh, and, and how might we uh, utilize that in our own lives? Yeah, so um, I, I don't know that I originated this, but I don't know who to credit if it was from somebody else. I got an so, idea. If okay. it works, take <laughs> okay. it. All right. If it doesn't... Okay, um, but here's where, here's where it starts for me, all right? So um, when I think about a counselor, a counselor is um, uh, usually helping you look back on something, mm-hmm. right? Something that's happened to you and trying to work you through different issues and asking questions about things that happened. Yep. A mentor often is trying to advise on decisions or, or pour into um, things that are happening mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. right? And a coach is often asking questions about the future, looking ahead, um, planning, um, trying to pull out of you something that needs to happen, right? That's good. And so that's um, that's kind of something that I, I don't. we kind of fell into because the, the whole argument is actually that a good disciple maker ought to be able to do all three, mm. right? So a good disciple maker can counsel well and help you to see in the past what you've done in your walk with Christ, mm. can advise you on how you are currently walking and what you need to do to try to work um, more of, of a, more Jesus into, like a better words, or spiritual disciplines yeah. into what you're doing. And a coach is going to help you look ahead to who you need to become um, as you, you want to end goal of becoming, of course, more like Christ, but what does that really look like for you, and what do those questions need to be to get there? Okay, I think I got it. Counselor, we're looking back. We're unpacking a lot of stuff. We're trying to figure out our story. Where do we come from, our personality, our nature, nurture, um, and and maybe some traumas even. Um, mentors, they're, they're pouring in a lot of the times. Um, and coaches draw out, ask good questions, yeah. help you get to the answer yourself. So um, to further help us with that, we have um, a great guest on with us today. Yes. So on this episode, we bring in a well-respected man of God, church planter, pastor, leader of leaders, mentor, and a friend. Mm-hmm. And a coach and a counselor, just a good disciple maker. Absolutely. Mark McGeever is the executive director of Times 12, a church planting network out of Annapolis, Maryland, which um, after you did a little research, you found out that the state sport of Maryland Mm -hmm. is jousting. That, uh, yeah. Evidently, okay. There, there's some agile, like strong, turtles. bodied people up there. Yeah, right. Yeah. Turtles and jousting, thick skin uh, and hard shells up there yeah. in the Northeast. I yeah, think. I guess so. I guess so. That's funny. We call that the Northeast. It's literally like you yeah. know, three hours north of yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. But uh, whatever. Anyway, Times Twelve helps churches plant churches in uh, right now Maryland, Northern Virginia, 
Delaware, Pennsylvania, Utah, other areas of Virginia, and of course right here in our Hampton Roads region. And Times 12 a few years ago helped our church, uh, Ocean View Church, prepare our first planter, uh, provided an assessment and coaching, some some systems and processes that we didn't have in place when we were ready to plant. We had a guy and uh, we didn't have the process. And so they came in and helped us with that process. And shortly after that, Mark asked me to oversee their expansion into this Hampton Roads area. So now I was uh, I was glad to do that. I've been doing that for the last couple of years now and have learned so much from Mark. Yeah. So let's welcome Dr. Mark McGeever into our conversation. Mark, it is a great joy to have you on the podcast here behind open doors with us. And so uh, we'd like you to, um, to take us behind open doors um, on you. So what's your, uh, what's your, uh, your story? Where are you from? Uh, give us a little bit of your, your spiritual upbringing, just kind of a background. Who is Dr. Mark McGeever? All right. Sounds good. Hey, great to be with you, Aaron and John and all those that are listening in. Uh, Really, uh, I'll just tell you this. I am from New Jersey, um, exit four, if, uh, if you're wondering. <laughs> the, uh, but uh, my uh, spiritual background, was, it was a pretty rough uh, family growing up. We, uh, no, none of us were believers, uh, kind of from more of like a, a traditional, like works-based religious background uh, form of Christianity. Uh, but but not much Jesus and the gospel in there. And so, um, you know, pretty early on, uh, I was, um, you know, far from God. I really, you know, it, at the in my in my heart of hearts, I think I was uh, running from God, but I was chasing after trying to fill that emptiness uh, through um, through success and uh, you know striving after things that I thought would would fill that. And uh, really a, a buddy of mine, we were playing, we were played, I played a lot of sports growing up and he was on the team. He was the one believer that I knew in the whole high school. And uh, this buddy of mine just loved me and cared for me. I hung out at his house a lot. Um, it was, they were believers and had a, you know, much healthier environment. So I hung out there a lot. And he just was a good friend for years, like at least three years. We He just would be a good friend, share the gospel. I was kind of that pagan guy you brought to the outreach things. And right. uh, anyway, just, you know, caused him a lot of grief a too. Bunch, a bunch of beach trips and ski trips yeah. and stuff. Oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, so, you know, he, they would be given an invitation and I'd be, you know, just distracting everybody in the back and he'd be elbowing me <laughs> you know so that kind of thing I, I was a mess and uh anyway um i through through this guy's uh influence and one night right before i i uh, headed off to college i was laying out in this field it was a beautiful summer night have my hands behind my head i'm just looking up at the stars and this thought comes into my head there really is a god behind all this and i am not ready to meet him mm. And, uh, you know, shortly after that, I heard the gospel again, and I gave my life to Christ. And uh, um, I ended up, um, 
I, I share in the gospel with uh, my friends after that, one of which was my girlfriend. So I didn't know very much, you know, maybe probably John three sixteen and, you know, one verse or something like that. I was really brand new in the faith. But I was at this, I was at my girlfriend's house reading through the, her yearbook. Uh, look, you know, each other's yearbooks, you know, at the end, before you go off to school, everybody writes in them, have a good oh, life, yeah. good to know you, all that kind of thing. So anyway, this buddy of mine's sister, who was a believer, wrote, you know, have a good life, see you, you know, after, have a good college, glad you're one of us now, hmm. blah, 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 she goes on, and my girlfriend's like, what does that mean, hmm. glad you're one of us now, and I was like, let me tell you what just happened, and, uh, so I, I just shared what I knew, I didn't know that much, you know, John 3, 16, what, how, I just had met Jesus, and uh after that, I just went over to my buddy's house. It was like two in the morning, you know, I knock on the door, wake the whole house up. I'm like, it's a miracle, it's a miracle. It was the first time I really experienced the Holy Spirit using me to, to share the, share my faith. Anyway, um, my buddy's like, all right, we're going back over there right now. He's real impulsive. So we jump in the car, <laughs> drive across town. You know, we throw pebbles up at our window, like, sneak out, we want to talk to you. So, he sneaks out of the house. We we go over to this uh, a, a parking lot by this lake, and there's a beach over there. Talk some more, and she's like, "This sounds amazing, but I'm not ready tonight." He's like, "Well, talk to my you know, talk to my mom tomorrow." And they set up a lunch the next day or two, and this girlfriend of mine gave her life to Christ right after that, and that was my girlfriend now wife of 42 years. Wow. So we both met Jesus, you know, in, in, in around that same time. So uh, the reason I told you that story is ties in pretty significantly to the rest of my life, you know? Wow. Wow. That's, uh, that's amazing. I feel like I just watched like uh, a Christian, like coming of age testimony movie (laughs) as you were (laughs) talking. That was fantastic. I love it. Lots of field, lots of field laying and lake beaches and all that kind of stuff. Lots of good moments of impact. Like that's a really neat story that uh, God's, God's written. Yeah. But the thing was, he was such a faithful friend when, Mm. you know, I'm sure he just, he just was like, this guy's hopeless, you know, at times, but he never gave up on me, kept praying and loving me. And, uh, Mm. you know, like, so, that's Praise that. God for faithful friends. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's amazing. I, uh, I happen to know that you have some kids. So kids came yeah. along at some point along those, these 42 years, right? Yeah, exactly. So uh, I got three ad- uh, adult children, all in their 30s now. Uh, and then uh, so my two daughters and a, and a son, Megan, Stacy, and Ben. Uh, my two daughters are married and uh, we've got five grandchildren uh between the, those two families my son's still single and uh just uh we've got a good relationship we're we're mm. friends actually so we uh we like to hang out together and uh, uh yeah it's it's good well, that's that's special i i'm just sorry but uh i've experienced that with my own parents as well where you you go from you know, go into this space where they're still like mentors, parents at young adult age, and then you get to a certain age where they just become dear friends, you know, and yeah. obviously you've known each other all your lives or their lives, my life. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, there's a closeness there and a richness there. And um, there, that's, that is, that's super special. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to ask what you guys like to do when you hang out. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we like, 
right now it's all kind of centered around the the grandkids playing with the grandkids mm-hmm. hanging out with them taking them on on walks or hikes you know through the paths and and that kind of thing mm-hmm. we love uh we love hanging out at the beach so you know just get the chairs out down at the, down at the ocean and just uh you know hanging talking long long you know you know how that is like mm-hmm. kids can play in the sand and have a good time and then the adults can talk pretty much you know depending on age right hanging out is, are is you real. as are you as competitive with your kids as you are with all the church planners and guys you hang out with this dude uh, is like yeah. a bocce ball maniac oh, yes like, oh yes. yeah oh, we're yeah. all pretty competitive okay. i mean <laughs> for sure. yeah okay yeah, that, yep. that kind of runs in the family i don't yeah. I, I just that it is you, you know. cultivate that in your your family culture, <laughs> well, huh? yeah everybody's everybody's uh, tuning in today to figure out from mark if if we should let our kids win at board games or any games growing up or if we should just Ooh, that's dominate. a good question that's a good question do you let well, them win or do you uh do you give them a chance what I'll, do you do? I'll let you off the hook right now my parents never let us win <laughs> so yeah. if that's you that's that's where i come from i i i would say this i I like to see them fall in love with whatever it is you're doing, but then they need a reality check to be like, you know, you're not going to always win. And you've, you know, you got to up your game if if you're going to be a, 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 like a winner. So that's that's good. I like, I like your your parents thing. Let them Uh, let them shoot the open or the, uh, the shot that's not open, but then every once in a while you just deflect it right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right back. It's say, uh, (laughs) yeah. You got, you got to get a little quicker, man. Well, yeah, that's yeah. so that's awesome to hear about your family. Um, love, love the time and the intentionality you have with them, and uh, just getting yeah. to reap the blessings of grandchildren. What a what a neat season you must be in right now. Yeah, enjoying it a lot. Yeah. From from meeting your wife and uh, then getting engaged and then getting married. You've been married how long? So 42 years this year. Praise yep. God. That's awesome. We yeah, should come, definitely yeah, celebrate we're coming that. Up 43 will be next year. So yeah, we awesome. are celebrating. Hallelujah. Yep. How did you um, receive a calling uh, towards ministry? And then how did yeah. you get into church planting from there? Okay. So started off, uh, you know, so I was graduating. I had a I got married and I still had a semester to finish college up. I, I sat out a year and, and worked and all that. So we got married. And then uh, I went to the, I was in the business school at the University of Richmond. And so I uh, finished up that last semester. And as I was coming towards the, the end of that run, it's the power of invitation. Somebody just actually um, challenged me and, and my wife, Molly, uh, to pray about considering becoming campus missionaries to university students and uh Hmm. and um i was like whoa you know that they they were like i I was like there's a lot of people that need jesus just like i i had there you know i kind of struggled a little bit initially at at college getting grounded and somebody kind of took me under their wing and a few of us and discipled us and that was a game changer and then i had grown in the i had um, gotten involved finally in a good local church that was teaching and preaching the word and, and centering on Jesus. And uh, that was a game changer. And so as that person put that out there to me, I was like, man, that sounds 
that sounds like a great challenge and a great need. And, um, you know, if I do it, I'd love to, to uh, see my life count for, for God. And so, you know, it wasn't like, uh, like, just kind of like wrote out, like, should I go into business? I was writing myself clear. Lord, do you want me to take this step? So I thought, you know, I think I'm ready to take that step and give it a try. Molly and I, you know, talked a lot and prayed about it and just said, let's, let's go for it. And so we did that for 12 straight years. You know, we were engaged primarily at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill and Duke area. Uh, A lot of yeah, exactly. <laughs> a rough start in, in hoop tissue. Yeah, yeah, John's a John's a uh, John's a rock chalk Jayhawk guy. So uh, we got to pick uh, him. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah. Well, we got Roy from you back in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just pass him back and forth, evidently. <laughs> yeah. They. Uh, so anyway, um, I did that, and uh, we ended up shifting a lot into working with university students and visiting scholars that were here from all over the nations from the nations thought like the world's at our doorstep. Let's, let's, let's really um, t- see this as an open door of opportunity. And so I began to really work closely with the uh, local church that there and was mobilizing and equipping um, God's people to reach out to international students and visiting scholars. I was an elder at this church. And, uh, and during that time, I really was like, equipping the church to do the work of the ministry. I think that's what pastors do. You know, maybe I should become one of those. And so I ended up uh, shifting and we uh, we relocated actually up into the Maryland area, which is what got me uh, up into the up into Maryland and uh, went on a, a, a church there and began to I finished up some you know seminary that I had uh, wanted to finish up. And then um, went into the local church, local church ministry as a pastor. And uh, in 97, I went on to staff at Bay Area Community Church in Annapolis, Maryland. And uh, was, uh, it was quite a bit smaller then. It's grown, you know, uh, super large. Um, and that was just a great run. So was with Bay Area for 15 years. Uh, ended up you know, was equipping and training. A lot of what I was doing was was um, leadership development. And then uh, the lead pastor, Greg St. Cyr, and I were just talking about the vision for church planting. And we ended up, uh, you know, that we as elders got together and began to say, oh, what would be, you know, how would God use us? At that point, it was like, it was a dot on the on the vision, future vision, like church planning. I was like, we got to either do something about this or let's get it off there, but let's, Mm. let's engage. And the elders went all in. They created a position for me called um, pastor of church planting for, for a season. And then in uh, 2000, uh, Oh, part of what I actually did was uh, I ended up planting a church out of Bay area while we also were helping um, residents to be trained up to plant churches. And so that was a great experience to actually do that. And then in 2012, we birthed out Times 12 as a church planning network. And uh, Bay Area was super generous and helpful to plant that. We still have a, a excellent partnership. But now we have, you know, uh, you know, 30 plus churches in our network, church plants, uh, we're adopting churches in and uh, 
excited about what God's doing. Lives are being changed. And so there was really three shifts of ministry. The initial call into vocational ministry, campus, you know, university. Then there was that move to the pastorate and, and then church planning in the latter, these latter years of, uh, you know, my, my, my life. Well, that's, um, that's an awesome trajectory um, that, that the Lord's had you on in this, uh, in this journey. Um, can you speak a little bit more to, I'll just say the, the why behind the what a little bit. So you gave us a lot of the what wow. happened. Here's the story. Yeah. And um, just like, what were some of the motivations behind um, getting into pastoring and church planting? Um, any scriptures that, that were, that were, you were drawn towards that you um, kept in mind? Um, yeah. Just, just get yeah. some of the motivational factors. Yeah. I think uh, one of the things that, that, well, first of all, the, the kind of the core motivation for me is um, the gospel of grace, the love of Jesus for me uh, sets my heart free to go ahead and take risks and, you know, to serve however God wants me to. Mm -hmm. But then as I evaluated uh, also some of my passions and um, desires, one of the things that uh, always came up was I just love developing leaders holistically. Part of that was a little bit of like, as I was, I told you I had a pretty rough background. So my development was a little bit piecemeal here, a little there, a little there. And it was like, I needed character development, the heart, you know, I needed like the head, like theology and, and, and biblical knowledge, but also skills. And I was like, why can't we wed these hands, heart, and head together and actually intentionally develop leaders, uh, pastors, leaders, church planners, uh, in a way that really helps them thrive and then helps the churches that they plant thrive. And mm-hmm. so uh, that was a, a kind of a big motivator and continues to be to this day. And, uh, not, and not just that they would develop, but that their impact because, you know, one of the things that drives me is lostness. They're, you know, we have a harvest field. We are the, we're the, you know, largest mission field in the Western Hemisphere. The fifth largest in the world is the United States. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're not in Christendom many more folks like we are. You know, we've got to take the gospel in fresh ways with fresh expression and bring that into the harvest. Mm-hmm. Mm. So good. You got me excited, Mark. I'm ready to go plant churches or something. Yeah, I've, I've got <laughs> yeah. I've, I've got two things on my mind after hearing that. It seems like you you sure. had others invest in you um, and help yeah. you throughout your development. Um, yeah. There's a lot of young people out there today who have the desire, they feel called, but they still, like us, needed a lot of development within character, within figuring yeah. out what that calling looks like. Um, sure. Ha- you had people do that for you. We're trying to do that for others in, in our, our different but very similar ways. Uh, what are yeah. some ways that you guys have, have determined um, are helpful for the next generation um, as they come to you or as you seek them out? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, one of the things that I would, I would say is um, keep dreaming. Like to the next generation, I'd say, keep dreaming about impact for God. Like, Mm -hmm. don't let that, but don't equate um, 
a season of development or even like waiting and being developed as a as as a hold you back uh you know i love to see like entrepreneurial leaders people that want to take a new hill that are have a dream that's just rising up in their heart to be able to come alongside them and then help them see that dream realized but in a way that actually glorifies God. And sometimes that takes some, uh, a season of preparation. And, uh, and then I would say the second thing is find somewhere where you can roll up your sleeves and um, get some reps in, in terms of like practicing what, if, like, what you see yourself doing someday. So if you want to plant a church, have you started like a, a missional small group or a community group that's outward facing have you are you discipling a few that multiple like roll up your sleeves and start practicing those things with some alongside a seasoned leader that wants to see you develop doesn't want to like you know kind of shut you down but actually wants to see you flourish and develop so yeah when we want to do we do like so just a part two of your question was and then what do we do so we actually will assess you uh your hands heart and head come up with a customized prep plan and then have you work that out within a sending church in and we'll collaborate with that sending church at times 12 will then see you develop and then complete that and then commission you out so that you go take a hill and fulfill that dream that god has welling up in your heart mm. yeah I'm ready to sign up. <laughs> yes, that's that's so encouraging. So I, I hear patience within that. Um, yeah. Don't try to jump phases or seasons. Yeah. Don't try to skip the season of preps or the season of reps. Um, yeah. And and you guys provide that um, for for your church planters. That's uh, that's where you're at now. Maybe we should fill in uh, a little bit more detail there. Um, do you want to take that? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll go at it this way because I've heard somebody say in the past that um, I took on the uh, the role as senior pastor when I was 30 years old. I was a young guy, right? At a yeah. at a hundred and some year old church at the time. And so like, you know, it was a, it was a bit of a square peg round hole kind of situation at first. And then uh, the Lord worked those things out. But I've heard people say before, when you when you're a younger leader like that, you kind of um, you kind of take on this big brother role, so you you preach and teach almost like a big brother would to another. Uh, oh, yeah. As a younger leader, you're as saying? a younger leader, yeah. right? Yeah. And then you get into your you know 40s or so, and you're like the, you're like this uncle type of figure, and you get into over 50, and you you're a father, right? And um and you you preach like a father, you teach like a father, um you you I already know you are a father figure to so many of these pastors and planters. Um, I want to know how you've embraced that role. Um, it, was it easy or was it was it difficult? And how have you have just kind of uh, embraced that role as I'm a, I'm a, I'm not just a leader of leaders. Um, I'm also like a, a a pastor dad to a lot of these guys. Um, how have you embraced that? Yeah, I you know. It's a little bit of awkward, a little bit awkward um, in the sense of I don't really like I don't consciously think like that. Like okay. dad's here, you know, <laughs> girls at all. You know, I, I actually see them as um, 
co-laborers, co-workers for the kingdom, and that, yes, God has grace that he sends through me into their lives as a conduit of grace. But I also see them, uh, they have grace that flows into my life. Mm. And so I think if we're just staying humble under King Jesus, and then we let the gospel of grace and the grace of God whatever wisdom I can offer, super. But I also am, you know, a recipient of God's grace through them. And uh, that's more how I, I, in fact, I don't, I think sometimes if you have like a father wound, you want to lock on to one kind of dad figure. And I, you know, I kind of made that mistake way back. And I would rather say, hey, I have, I have one capital M mentor his name is Jesus, one capital F Father, you know, God the Father. Um, and by the Holy Spirit, he'll use little M mentors all along the way, you know. And it's don't don't lob on to because we all have like certain capacity or graces that float and uh, be like, hey, check it out. Somebody else may have grace for you in that area that maybe I don't um, and just kind of holding it holding that lightly but I know that I have some season I can share things of like yeah I mean I did I learned through trial and terror did some dumb stuff <laughs> so like you don't have to repeat that let me tell you you know right. so I can I sure. can share some some you know years of turf time I'm you yeah. know I'm not down Nah. And you're not afraid to be a dad when you need to. I've been in the leadership team meetings with you, and you're you're always the one that brings us back to uh, center and back to uh, hey, let's get back on track here. <laughs> so uh, a couple of us have pointed that out uh, over the over the years. So um, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. We need that. <laughs> yeah, I, I embrace that that role. <laughs> yeah, Mark. When did the Great Commission really grip you and become your motivation? Hmm, great commission. That was pretty early on in that, that, you know, when I first started wrestling with that, should I campus ministry and, and that, uh, that's been a theme that's been with me now. Uh, it's deepened, it's seasoned, it's matured over the years. I think I understand the implications of that. Um, but that's, that was pretty early on. Um, and yeah, that's been that's been all along, and how that finds its expression. Like, so when you talk about church planting, um, really, like, our, so our mission in, in times twelve is equipping planters to multiply gospel-centered disciples and churches. So I really think you know you'll see you you hear in there the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. It's it's about we're about multiplying disciples mm-hmm. and churches and uh, if we're not making new disciples and uh growing faithful disciples then i'm like through those churches and i'm like that's not healthy and so that's our core mission that actually flows out into the church in every every place Mm -hmm. you know multiplying a church is just one expression of multiplying we should be able to multiply you know disciples first and then you know churches yeah yeah 
Well, I know you to be a, a systems guy, and you've kind of given us a little hint uh, of this uh, earlier, just talking about head, heart, and hands. Um, yeah. you, you use the phrase, I wanted to write myself clear on these things, and I've, I've seen you do that a lot over our time working together. Uh, one who loves processes and teaching best practices. Is this something for you that's um, kind of personality-driven, or has it been something that has developed over time as as has been necessary yeah i mean i think it's developed probably it's it's uh something that god's given me the capacity to do i would say this i'm a i'm a macro process guy <laughs> mm-hmm. um, less and strategic strategic and less as a micro detailed guy so i start i can get i can start getting weary on the micros um but one of the things that i uh began to see it in my earlier years was sometimes we could cast a vision and people would be fired up. But then if you didn't have like um, some concrete steps for them to take in the process, then it just dissipated and we hadn't served them well. And so had willing people, but we didn't have a process. And so that was something that I'd be I began to just kind of learn and develop. And then uh, as I was casting vision, then as I became uh, with Bay Area's executive, as executive pastor alongside Greg Saints here, who's definitely a a visionary, you know, um, I together with, with Greg could see that vision, but then I, God just somehow gave me the capacity to turn it and then say, well, then, how could we, if that's the vision, what are the actually the big action steps, if you would, mm-hmm. or pathway to actually accomplishing that vision? And so that was further developed there. And then I just bring that with me into to times 12 as the executive director. I, I'm dreaming, but I'm also setting up steps that people can take to fulfill the, the dreams. Yeah. How, much, how much time do you set aside in your week to do strategic thinking and, and to give yourself space to have that creativity and pioneering vision? Um, I, I have a very intentional schedule. I give myself space. The way I actually do it is I, I use my mornings more for, for um, well, my early mornings are just for my own walk. I'll, I would say that my walk with Jesus is more important than my work for Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I'm I always have time where I'm just in the word and in his presence. But then my, you know, for my work hours, if you will, I, uh, I carve out more of my mornings for, um, for uh, preparation, study, reflection, and uh, you know, teaching and training preps, if you will. And then my afternoons are more like the strategic leadership side of things where I'm meeting with people or, or strategizing and that kind of thing. Um, and I built into my rhythm, my annual rhythm three times a year, I actually get away and uh, I get away for that long range strategic thinking and, and prayer. So uh, I'll do like three day getaways and I look up, mm. I look back and I look forward. So I look up, how's my walk with, with the Lord, like, you know, my marriage, family, everything. Um, I look back, how have we done the last, you know, several months of this year? And then where are we going next? I look forward. And, uh, and I 
built that into my rhythm and it's really helped me uh, kind of lift out of the just day-to-day grind. Mm, that's great. So we're coming into the end of the year and starting uh-huh. a new one. Um, yeah. Is there anything that you do uh, towards this time to set resolutions or think intentionally? What, what intentional um, practices have you built in as you start looking towards the new year? Yeah. So, um, just part of my regular rhythm, December is one of those times of the three times a year that I get away because I Mm. built it into, into that, you know, so that I do have that reflective time to look back at the last over the fall or even this last year and then look forward to. So that's coming up. And, um, yeah, I always, I, I always write myself clear at that time and say, how are we doing? Try to listen, see if the Lord uh, has any directional changes. Are we on course? Is there something I'm missing, any blind spots? And then I really value the team that, that I'm a part of so that they can, they're speaking into these things as well. Um, so it's not just, you know, mark off with, you know, Moses on the Mount, you know, coming down, I got it. You know, it's a, it's a collaborative collaboration with, uh, with the leadership team board, all that kind of thing. That's great. I, I, I heard that the first time you said, um, you were talking with Bay area, um, getting the elders together, uh, to talk about (laughs) church planting. So I see that's a, that's a consistent thing, um, in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Love that. that. they went all in, man. They, I got to I give them big, big thumbs up. <laughs> well, uh, we always like to um, have a little bit of a brain break about this point in the conversation. Yeah. Okay. And right. uh, we've got uh, a very, very important question to ask you, Mark. Um, and John's got it here. So what do you got for us? Okay. What everybody's dying to know from you right now is would you rather communicate only in emoji or never be able to text at all, ever again. <laughs> That's a good one. You could talk That's with your grandkids one. really well. You could text with them if you texted with emoji, but I don't know how business would go. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Here's how I, truthfully, like I kind of, I'm a weird, a little weird on boundaries on this stuff. So I tend to, you know, I tend to, uh, just be a little more of an emoji guy, unless it's personal stuff. If it's friendship, relational stuff, like, so we have this, uh, this tool called Slack. It's an online communication tool. And so like some of our leaders start to text me, I'll be like, Slack me that, you know, they want to talk about work, but if they're like, Hey, let's talk about like, when, when we playing golf next, I'm like, oh yeah, we're texting that, yeah. you know? And so, yeah. you know, with my family, we have this like all, this all family text. And so, you know, I'm engaged with that and uh, texting back. It's all like personal, relational, friendship, family stuff. So, yeah. that's, so that's how I do that. But if I'm like, I, I tend to be a little bit more of the emoji guy where like some of my family put these texts up and longer. And I was like, you know, thumbs up. Really <laughs> I just, yeah, I, I just spent it. 10 minutes texting that out to you and you gave me a thumbs <laughs> up. Right, right. So yeah. you're, you're not the uh, 20 emoji responder. You're just the one emoji responder. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. There's, there's then, layers then, to this. And then I realized like, 
I'm probably not going to see them for a while. I better weigh in with some words here, you know, <laughs> let them know that That's I have good. a heart over here. That's yeah. good. That's I don't good. think our listeners got, uh, got an answer though, a clear cut answer. So would you, yeah. would you be fine with sending only emoji through Slack? <laughs> that seems like a different question. Then. Well, I mean, that's a that's a that's a layered question, yeah. oh, right? Through Slack like, for through work. Sla- for work. work, yeah. Slack could you do that, or would you just give up texting altogether? Uh, I could I could live without. I mean, like, I know it's totally inefficient, but like, if I had to talk, if I'd rather verbally just like, can we just work this that's out than me have? That's a good roundabout. There you like go. It. There you go. That's a form a whole written response, like you know, this is too complicated. Let's this probably needs a little bit of back and forth here. So yeah. I, I'd do the verb. I think they still have carrier me. pigeons too, in case we ever right. need yeah. this. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Hey. Uh, Good job. We, Good uh, answers. Before we really land the plane here, um, I really would love for you to speak to. Um, the average congregation member um, in our churches, uh, our multiply churches and our multiply family or in our times 12 churches or whoever might be listening to this that is like, man, why are you guys so excited about church planting? Like what, what is that exactly? How can I better understand um, the importance of church planting and what is that all about? I think I know what it is, but what advice would you give to the, to the folks that might be uh, just try, starting, just beginning to think through these things? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the first response is oftentimes, um, don't we have enough churches? You know, like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, why are you guys all spun up about church planting? And one of the things that I would say is a, a couple things. There's a, there's a huge, um, first of all, churches are in big decline, you know, to answer that, you know, that don't we have enough. Um, but one of the things is the, the harvest field is, is plentiful. There are so many people that don't know Jesus that are in darkness and without hope and God in the world. And um, actually, you know, so that gospel need is a big, is a big deal. I mentioned, you know, the harvest field and, and, and the need. Um, The second thing I would, I would say is that multiplication was God's idea, not ours. Okay. We didn't like come up with this and be like, Hey, let's cool. Let's plant churches. Let's multiply. You know, it's like, think about in, in, um, in creation, you know, plants, animals multiply right god said to the the first humans be to all of us <laughs> be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and so that is on what's on a uh, on a on a physical realm is also spiritual multiplication in fact you see luke in the book of acts he picks up the actual terminology of fruit and multiply and increase and he he applies it to spiritual multiplication, mm-hmm. and you see, and the gospel, the you know, God's the word of God multiplied, disciples multiplied, and the church multiplied, and it's like, and then you go all the way back, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, was supposed to be putting God's image on display. Now we know the fall, Jesus came, redeemed us, and now. We get to bring the gospel in, see people's lives transformed, that image of Christ restored and God's glory spreading. And so the more we spread and the more we share the gospel with lost people and then 
disciples are made who bear fruit in the image of God, and churches are raised up to the glory of God. We see God's glory spreading further, shining brighter, and it's through multiplication that we do that. That's why I'm spun up about church planning. It's way more than just like, hey, it's a job, you know. I'm in a church planning network. You know, this is like the glory of God spreading through multiplication. It's God's design. Yeah, I love the I love the conviction there. I think um, that I think it's the, obviously that driving it is uh, is the scriptural conviction behind it that um, that uh, is in that. So. Um, what does that person then do right now? What can that that person that's listening, that's just getting a taste of this, what do they do right yeah. now? They're like, I'm not sure if I'd ever be a church planter, but what can I do to help? Right. What can I do to get involved? Yeah, so um, to get involved, I'd say encourage your church about church planting. Um, and then I would say as a, in, as a, as a follower of Jesus, grow yourself, like keep growing, find ways, like if you have discipleship uh, teams or groups or micro groups and be accountable so that for your own growth, grow as a follower of Jesus, become a relational disciple maker yourself. You, you know, you can pour into a few, you're growing yourself and then fish yourself, become part of that so that you're seeing new disciples made, growing disciples raised up. You are becoming a, a multiplying disciple maker right where you are. You don't have to be a church planner to do that, yeah. right within your context, where you live, where you work, your neighborhood, with among your friendship groups, where you play, through your local church, you can you can have an impact. And uh, that's why that's what we want all churches to be about is making disciples and uh being one and multiplying this like mm. so that's what i would say that's good yeah it's not just church planners and pastors that are called to make disciples yeah. right it's uh it's all of us everyday christian the everyday follower of jesus yep what resources would you like to share uh in order to do that or to be a church planter um to make disciples, maybe maybe to uh, grow in my character, in my my heart, in my study or intellect, in my head, and what skills, what what resources come to mind that you want to share? Well, I mean, we have a whole uh, back end resource center that if you become part of Times Twelve as a, as a church planner, that you you would have access to, and uh, we'd help you. And they center around you know hands, heart, and head development. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had to pick one. Probably if I pick one that I that could share, I would probably pick Treasuring Jesus, uh, uh, something that I developed because I think that's the the heartbeat of everything. Um, treasuring Jesus, that that tool or that resource helps you see the humility of Jesus, the supremacy of Jesus, mm-hmm. and the sufficiency of Jesus, and so. Uh, I would say anything that helps you like walk with Jesus to appreciate his humility, supremacy as king, and his sufficiency that he is your all in all. Um, that would be those would be my recommendations. And I could talk about specific, you know, uh, you know, Carson and, Ke- and Keller put put out the Gospel Coalition book, uh, the Gospel as Center. Um, 
where they have a series of articles and different authors, and then they, as editors, pulled them all together under one uh, one cover called The Gospel as Center by D.A. Carson and, and Keller. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, things about by, um, uh, you know, Dallas Willard has had a big impact on, on me, the late Dallas Willard, about how, you know, the thing that got me that he wrote was, we want to. We say we want to be like Jesus. Out outwardly and all the practice, you know, kind of bear fruit like Jesus, but we don't practice the private practices or spiritual disciplines that Jesus did in order to bear that kind of fruit, personally, relationally, and publicly. So, uh, Willard really Dallas Willard's book, um, you know, uh, yeah, those are good. Um, awesome. Thank you. The, the Great Omission, it's called. Uh, that's okay. a good Nice. Yeah. That's good. Well, Mark, we're super appreciative of you and your ministry. And um, personally, I'm thankful for you and the impact you've had on my life in these short past couple years. Um, and you've done so much to prepare planters to keep expanding the kingdom in their, in their context. And um, uh, we're just so grateful, uh, so grateful for you, Mark. Thank you, Aaron. I appreciate it. You too, John. Uh, appreciate being uh, Kingdom co-laborers with you, men, and uh, for uh, giving me a chance to, sh- to share what, what God has done in my life through Jesus Christ. Well, we, we know you, uh, you're a busy man, and you have a very intentional calendar and schedule, and we thank you for taking a, a few minutes out of your day for us. Happy to do it. Yeah. Yep. All right. All right. Peace. Man, I'm so glad we were able to have Mark on the Behind Open Doors podcast, man. It, it's been such a joy these last couple of years learning from him. Um, he's just been a a model for for me uh, to be able to follow for, um, uh, yes, leadership and yes, systems and processes, but of course, most of all, uh, just how he goes <laughs> all in on discipleship mm-hmm. and, and development. Mm-hmm. If I had to choose two emojis... <laughs> to 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 reflect on uh, Doctor McGeever, uh, it would be the heart emoji, and um, it would it would be the smile emoji. It just it makes me happy to to see um, men stay the course over over the length of their life and ministry, um, and how they just continue to pour into others because they've had others pour into them. And they've really been intentional and consistent with self-development. And you can tell everything uh, from just knowing that he's a guy of macros, not micros. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of awareness of his character, his, his heart, his head, his hands. And, um, and I don't think we can, we can know others to lead others if we don't first know ourselves to lead ourselves. And that's one thing I really appreciate about sound mentors, coaches, disciple makers, and um, what I most cherish about about those who have invested in me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would actually go with the heart on fire emoji. Ooh, yeah. did you, maybe Apple one. doesn't have that one. You gotta, <laughs> no, they do. You I get your do. Android over there. I think they do. I'm just trying to make excuses for myself. Robbie says they do. You got a better one than I did. <laughs> so the heart, though, is coming from, like, you can see, even with the tool and resources that he's talking about, it's all about treasuring Jesus. It's not about tactics. It's not about the end goal of how many churches did we plant in 2022. It's 
are we treasuring Christ and keeping him number one? Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. And honestly, the Times 12 network is known for their resources. Um, and that's primarily, it is it is primarily uh, b- because of Mark and what he's developed or mm. compiled over the years. And um, you, you go talk to different guys who have planted with Times 12 and other networks, and they'll tell you that, you know, uh, this network has a lot of money, and um, that's been super helpful. Uh, this network yep. has really good relational uh, connectivity. Yep. Uh, but Times 12 does relational really well, but what they really do well is resources. Mm. Like when you, when you go with Times 12, you've got resources for um, multiplying disciples, <laughs> leaders, and churches. Hey, that's kind of what we like to do down here. In Look Canada. at that. It was with Multiply, right? Interesting. Um, they they have development pathways uh, that help you um, onboard and, and think about what bringing on new elders could look like. And uh, they have uh, one-off resources just to say, hey, uh, people are going to need help um, with their heart development with, a with like he mentioned, the, the Treasuring Jesus uh, one that he developed. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, uh, yeah, just a wealth of resources and uh, uh, a joy to be a part of a network that is able to say, oh, you've got an issue. Well, we probably have a resource to help you with that. Amen. Yeah. Well, one of our primary roles at Multiply is to equip our family of churches with the resources they need to multiply disciples, leaders, and new churches. And new churches are led by planters and teams who are prepared in our pathway to planting with the Times 12 Church Planting Network, of course, times12.org. Leaders are developed using our leader pathway, and disciples who want to grow as disciples of Jesus can access our disciple-making toolbox, and both of those are available at multiplythechurch.com. So as we finish up season one of Behind Open Doors here very shortly, we want to remind you that this podcast is written, produced, and distributed all in the Multiply family. Your giving to the Multiply project makes this possible, and we are so grateful for the support structure that exists within our family of churches. You can give to the Multiply project by making a pledge with us or by one-time donation at multiplythechurch.com. For now, it's time to close down the podcast, but remember the doors are wide open here at the Multiply family. If you found this podcast helpful, please be sure to subscribe, leave a review. It helps us uh, to be seen by others who may enjoy and be resourced uh, by discussions just like we had with Dr. McGeever. You can also join our Facebook page where we have further discussions about each episode. And finally, you can share this episode and others to your social media pages. You've been listening to the Behind Open Doors podcast, where we take you behind the scenes, discovering what it takes to multiply disciples, leaders, and new churches. Let the word dwell richly in you, and may God multiply your efforts for the kingdom.